Now look in chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight. One was 12. One was 22. This one is only eight years old. Now listen. Eight years old, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. And look in verse 2, something different. And he did that which was what? right in the sight of the Lord, walked in all the ways of David his father. Now, David wasn't his father, but on down the line, see, before he was ever born, he was in the line. So they called the son of David. And then notice this. You know, whenever you read the book of Joshua, it says, don't move to the right hand or to the left hand, but study thy word, meditate upon thy word day and night, that thou mayest prosper in whithersoever thou goest, and so on. For some reason... They had not had the Word of God. Things had gotten totally out of hand. The priests could not be trusted. They became evil. They no longer read the Word or taught the people the Word. The king didn't know the Word, and it was the prophet's job to keep the, the king on track. So look at what he says in verse 3. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. So in the 18th year... He heard some things. So he contacts Hilkiah, which is the high priest. See there in verse 4? Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the total which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. So evidently they were collecting their temple tax. So now find out how much. Go up there and tell the high priest. I want him to add it up, see what we got. And then I want to take that money and we're going to rebuild the temple. We're not rebuild the temple, but remodel it or, you know, keep it up and maintain it because things were in disarray. So in verse 5, and let them deliver it unto the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house carpenters and builders and masons and all that. And they bought timber and they got the work done. In verse 7, Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered unto their hand because they dealt faithfully. They had some good men, godly men, they could trust who got it done. So while this was going on, Hilkiah in verse 8, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. So, maybe it was under something, hid somewhere, things piled on top of it, dust all over the place, but he found it. And he delivered it to the hands of them that do the work. They have the oversight of the house of the Lord. So in verse 10, and Shephan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, hath delivered me a book. And he read it before the king. This must be a, a good book, an interesting book. This book changed everything. Remember, the people had gotten away from the Lord. A number of kings had come, and a number of kings were bad, and the people were gone astray and doing all kind of wicked things throughout the whole nation, and they found a book. I wonder what was in this book. Maybe it was a comic book. Maybe it was a book on how to improve your life. You know, 10 EUAs. Look what he says in verse 11. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, 
that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and he told him, he says, this is what I want you to do in verse 13. Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me. Go and inquire of the Lord for me. For the people, for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. And I'll get the reason. Because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. We messed up. Our fathers before us, they didn't do right. They didn't read the word. They didn't know the word. They didn't obey the word. They had lost the word. But now they found the word. And this is probably, you know, like the first five books, maybe Joshua and a few others. And lo and behold, they found the book. So they decided that they're going to read this thing to all the people. So look at verse 15. And there was a prophetess, a woman. She said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. Because they have forsaken me, have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be quenched. But now notice what he says about the king of Judah. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard. And see how God is going to do something with this man. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. When thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hath rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Now look at this, verse 20. Now you need to understand sometimes, you can't always figure out why God does certain things. I um, have something I'm going to read that I had written some time back about Dr. Curtis Hudson. Now, he was eight years older than I was. But I had a lot of love and respect for this man because he took the gospel-driven man to a new level as far as with the independent Baptists. He really wanted them to see and understand the clarity of the gospel. And so, because of this, I don't know why God took him home. And I've often wondered, why, Lord? If there's anybody I would take home, there's all those other nuts that won't do what he's doing. But why you take the good man that's doing the good job? I mean, here's Hank doing a good job. He's clear on the gospel and one of the greatest soul winners. And you take him home and you leave some of those other nuts around. Sometimes I just have trouble figuring out why God does things. But God knows down the road, doesn't he? He's supposed to know. And you wonder why sometimes he allows certain things to happen in your life. Well, look what he says here. Verse 20 is a verse you need to underline in your Bible. Behold, therefore, 
I will gather thee unto thy fathers. Now, what do you think that means? Hmm? I'm going to gather you to your fathers. What do you think that means? You're going to die. I'm going to take you out of here. And thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in what? In peace. Thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. You're not going to have to see all the evil that I'm going to bring upon this place. So I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to take you home first. Now, is it possible that God knows what's coming down the road for various people? And because of God's mercy and grace, he could take you home ahead of time to spare you something that's coming. You say, well, no, I don't know if I like this idea. Wait a minute. You are not God. You don't know how bad it's going to be. Isn't there times in your life when you question some of those things that happens to you and you wish it had never happened? Man, I wish I could just get out of here. Well, God knows what's coming down the road. And so he may take this one, and he may take that one, and he may take that one. If God is in charge, isn't that his call? Can you trust him? Can you trust him? If God is perfect and can do no wrong, now, is he still going to judge the nation? As a nation, they're still going to be judged. As a nation, they're still going to be chastened and taken out of the land. But there's timing. Uh, even like Solomon, even though God told him he was not to have all those wives, he did it anyway. And even though in the end of his life, he strayed. But he still said some mighty good things as warnings. The conclusion of the whole matter in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 was, serve the Lord with all thy heart. Now that's some good advice. But after him, the kingdom was divided because of his sons. Because of what Solomon had done. See, there's still a price to pay as a nation. And it still cost you probably, as a child of God, certain length of life, or it could cost you in rewards when you get to heaven, positions that you could have had. So you can't just sin and think there's no consequences to it. There's consequences to everything. Now, look in chapter 23. Chapter 23, the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And look what happened. He read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. So he wanted all the people to hear the word of God. Now, when they came back from Babylon after 70 years of captivity... You'll find in Nehemiah, also parts of Ezra, where they had the same thing they had. To do, and they stood and they read the law to all the people. Now, how long would you like to stand while I read at least just the five books of Moses? How long do you think it would take? And you complain when you have to sit there for 45 minutes? I got an idea. I know that Hank really had this thing nailed down. 
he, he, he sat down while he talked. So I think I ought to sit down and y'all stand while I'm preaching. That way you won't fall asleep. But if you do, you'll fall on somebody. And maybe they'll wake you up. I mean, think I ought to do that. No takers. And I don't know what I'm going to do with y'all. Hey, I'm the guy that's getting older. <laughs> I'm going to have to stand up here in my walker so I can, you know, you know fall one side or the other side, you know. But anyway, uh, at the meeting they had up there, there's this one guy, Tom Wallace. We, he used to be a pastor at the Franklin Road Baptist Church. And uh, he was 85 years old. And he didn't look like he was 60 years old. 85, he's going to run up here and preach a sermon. And I thought, man, that's still 13 years older than me. I can barely get upstairs now and down there. And then uh, the pastor of Gospel Light, and um, his name was Robertson, and he's about 86 or something like that, anybody? 86, 87. His wife just passed away about two weeks ago. So he's standing up there, and he made this statement. He says, well, I guess I would just like to go ahead and be the pastor here until I'm 100, and then I'd like to go into evangelistic work. <laughs> he's 86 years old, and uh, says, I, I, I guess I'd just like to go ahead and be the, because he said, some people asked me what I was going to do since my wife passed away. He said, well, I thought I'd just go ahead and preach till I'm 100 and then go into evangelistic work. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. When a man has a vision. And uh, anyway, after he said that, then I could barely get up off the seat. But in Second uh, Kings chapter 23, as we're moving right along. And verse 4, you'll notice that after he read all these things to him, he learned what the word said and what they were supposed to do. So there is like a revival under Josiah. Josiah was a good man. He got into the word and he changed some things. And he began to make some things. And in verse 4, middle part of the verse there, he says, And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields and so forth. So he, he decided, I'm cleaning house. He's got rid of a lot of things. In verse 5, he put down the idolatrous priest. He got rid of them, took them down. And then you notice in verse 7, look what else he did. Get this, they had prostitute houses next to the house of the Lord. Who did? Sodomites. Look in verse 7. He break down the houses of the Sodomites. They weren't even supposed to allow them in the land. True? Now they had not only come out of the closet, they were permeating everywhere and getting in key positions. Kind of like where we are today, wouldn't you say? So they won't be satisfied until they put us in the closet. And once they get us in the closet, they're going to lock the door and set it on fire. They don't want any Christian influence in America. But until then... We fight, we stand for what is truth, and don't move. So in verse 7, he break down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. So he did all of these things down through here. Look down in verse 10, where it says, And he defiled Tophath, 
He said, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire in Molech. Walking on hot coals, proving your faith to the false gods, all this kind of stuff. That wasn't even supposed to be in Israel. And yet now you have kings that have set all this stuff up. But Josiah, he led a revival. You know, when it comes to the Lord, it's either a revival or a revolt. Just like with the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, revival or revolt. And you don't win them all, but there is a, a war that needs to be done. And uh, people are supposed to take a stand. But anyway, as you go down through here, you can see an awful lot of a good thing. And not only did he do that, but he did something else. Look there in 2 Kings chapter 23. Look in verse 21. And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of this covenant. See, things had gotten out of hand. They hadn't done what they're supposed to do. And as a nation. But now, hey, he found the word of God. And he took a stand upon what the word of God says. So in verse 22, Surely there was not holding such a Passover from the days of the judges, that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor in the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holden to the Lord in Jerusalem. And then he also, in verse 24, Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits, and the wizards, and the images, and the idols, all the abomination, that were spied in the land of Judah, and in Jerusalem, Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the Lord, which was written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. See, when you start getting away from the Word of God, you can't stay strong. I've had people say, well, I don't need church to do what? To stay strong. Then you won't stay strong. Yes, I can. I know enough. The Word that you're supposed to believe is forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So you're going to disobey that verse. Faithfulness is what is required. Whatever God requires, you're to be faithful to do it. So you're not going to meet with God's people. That's disobedience. So you're already weak. You're not getting stronger because you do it. You're getting weaker and don't even see it. God's Word is truth. Look what he says in verse 25. Now this is a great thing to have written about you. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him rose there any like him. Uh, God must have uh, thought he was doing a pretty good job. He says, and you're going to die in peace, and you're not going to see all the evil that I'm going to bring upon the nation. Remember, Isaiah was the prophet at this time. So when you read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is talking about what's going to take place. So look in verse 27. And the Lord says, I will remove Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel, and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, My name shall be called. And we have the death of Josiah. He dies. And so that's mentioned here in the following verses. And um, the last part says, And the people of the land took Jehoahaz 
the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's stead. And his son after him, verse 31, Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Three months. That was a long time, wasn't it? Verse 32, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Sometimes you can do a great job, but you can't make your children serve God. You can set the right tone, the way to go, and teach them all that you can, but you can't make anyone else love God or serve God. There's got to be something inside of you that says, that's what I want, and God will bless if you will serve him. Now, I just want to read this to you before we close. I had wrote this years ago, 20 years ago, about Dr. Hudson. I says, what went you out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Not this man from Tennessee. To the spirit only would he bend. Oh, my friend, what went you out to hear? The gospel of grace made crystal clear. Salvation by grace is the gift of God. Rewards are earned, but rebellion the rod. The eyes of God run to and fro through a man with a heart of fire, a burning passion to reach the lost, make this blaze the saint's desire. The flame has died down, the spark shot up to descend, blown upon by the breath of God to produce more flames in the wind. The sword of the Lord was the power of the pen, but Dr. Curtis Hudson was the flame in the wind. A living sacrifice on the altar was laid. Hot coals from the altar and revivals were made. O Lord, this offering was burned up for thee. His reward shall be great, but his salvation was free. I wrote that 20 years ago. And I still feel the same way today. We're running out of time. Life is short. Remember that verse? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you want it? It'll cost you. It'll cost you. It'll cost you everything. You can't play around with the will of God. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. If you're here and you're not positive where you're going to go when you die, this is for you and this is free. This hand, you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that he loves us. He hates what we do wrong. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. But he loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as he is. None of us are perfect. None of us. We've all done things wrong. So the Bible says that this hand representing Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he came into this world. Why? Because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead. You see, what people need to understand is this, and it's so simple. You see... Christ took all of our sins. He willingly, willingly took our sins. Paid for them on the cross. And he wants you and I to 
willingly accept his righteousness. You see, this is what you need to go to heaven on. The righteousness of God, and it's free. He will give it to you freely if you believe that he took this willingly. It's the best news in all the world. There's no tricks to it. That's why we have sometimes people that just faithfully keep going on. And there's always the desire to sometimes to slow down and be like the world and not do anything. We get weary as we work, but we're not weary of the work. But we get weary in the work, and people get tired. And sometimes it would be so helpful if, as Jesus says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but there's something that's few. What was that? The labors. The labors are what? Few. That means a few people are doing the work of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I, I don't understand it all. But friend, I want you to know that God does love you and that he paid for your sins. And if you will believe that and trust him as your Savior, he will give you the free gift of everlasting life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me and I'll trust Christ right now as my Savior. Would you slip in up very quickly and put it right back down? I just want to have prayer for you. Not going to embarrass you. Not going to trap you or anything like that. Anyone at all. You that know Christ as your Savior, you've already trusted the Lord. Could you visually picture an altar with these hot burning coals? Can you picture your body being sacrificed and that angel bringing that hot burning coal to you. You wanted that burning desire more than you wanted anything in this world. And God says, if you will do this, you can know the perfect will of God for your life by the renewing of your mind. Would you do it? Would you just talk to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I am your child. I know that I'm going to heaven. But Lord, I want your will for my life more than anything else in the world. I don't know what all that entails, but I'm trusting you. Let's pray, shall we? Father, once again, we thank you so much for giving us all this insight, not only into what happened then, but what's going on now in our nation. Help us to be wise, to know your word, stand upon it, and to trust you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.